In Doug We Trust. Oh, sweet Lord. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, wow. Y'all. Whoa. Hot diggity inferno dang. Inferno number three. I just, I really need to talk about this. So I'm really glad we have a podcast to do that. I'm excited. I'm excited too. So without further ado, welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And you guessed it. Today we're talking about Inferno number three. Yeah. All Inferno number three all the time. We will do another episode with a heavy dose on the news because there's been a lot of news going news, on. News, 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 news. Speculation abound, but also some new titles announced and we might get some more tomorrow. But hey, That's this is about tomorrow. Inferno. That's the this future. This is about Inferno. This is the now. Don't even talk about the future versus the now. Right? Oh. Come on now. Oh, Dang. Okay. So how's your day? How's your day going? (laughs) My day is just, it started this morning when I read this issue. This is the first time of us recording an issue and me actually reading the issue twice before we record the episode. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. If If I had had more time during the day, I might have even gone the route of reading it a third time and taking notes. Pop, pop, pop. Just so much happened. So much happened. So what, much what about you? good, good stuff. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to overhype it before we start talking about it. But if you've, if you're listening to this, hopefully you read it and you're experiencing this ridiculousness with us. And and do you feel the same level of hype that we are talking through our words and our voices? Because oh my god, this was so, it's, this was so ba- amazing. Basically, like I sat down to read this issue, thinking like, all right, something's gonna happen. But like multiple somethings happened, and there's still so much. All right, let's just. Okay. Whew. Wait, how many before before that? How many total Inferno issues are there? There's one more. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. There's one more. This I thought that we were getting third, at least five. Nope. There four? Three of four. There are five issues of Trial of Magneto. They both kind of end at the same time. This is an outrage. One more? Well, I, I shouldn't say that because the amount of stuff that happened in this issue. They're, they're all double-sized issues. Oh, yeah, yeah. All they're right. Each get in their own episode. Yeah. Woof. Okay, well, there's a cover. We can talk about that. Yeah. I, we can talk about that and how like, I just, every time I look at this, what are you doing, Xavier? What well, are seems, you doing? It seems like there's another third Nimrod over here in the shadows. Right. But man has telepathy and this is a robot. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Just throwing bad dreams into his circuitry? Go home, Xavier. Go home, Xavier. You're drunk. Mm. with power but i mean oh, it's beautiful i love it it's just every time i see it and magneto is going strong and xavier's just like hey i'm using my brain powers maybe there's someone else maybe that's someone else maybe that's not meant to be a nimrod no that's definitely a nimrod. yeah it is look at the hand it's look a at, nimrod yeah, the hand. fingers and the little pink lightning oh. all right well here we go the most epic page turn noise I know something far more valuable, a different history of the world, Omega Sentinel. Another time. Are all of them starting with Omega Sentinel quotes? This is the third issue of Inferno. Each of them have started with Omega Sentinel. That And, and they've all been quotes that are said in See the me, issue. Yeah, yeah. See me for what I really am. Oof. Oh. All right. 
So, oh, okay. A little flashback. A little flashback to welcome to Krakoa. Yeah, as Doug gets his mission on Krakoa. Professor X has plans, ambitious ones. Let me ask you something because I didn't have time to go back and look and you are the master of these sort of things. The this first panel or this first page of panels, I believe we've seen before. Yes, relatively shot for shot. The second page of panels, have we seen that? Only the first panel. Right. We didn't get to see what it was that he showed him. Correct. Okay. Because this this last this last panel on this page the beginning of the mutant ascendance. Right. Hot diggity. Right. Yeah. So this was from House of X and Powers of Ten when Douglas first meets Krakoa and Professor Xavier wants him to develop this program of interfacing with the island. He and just drops him off and he's like, he, you got some work to do, kid. You know, gives him a bag and says, on your way, enjoy, and flies off in the Blackbird. And yeah, so- these are, these are relatively- So again, we're going like the page on the left is a page we've seen before. And the page on the right. Oh, my God, Becky. When I, I can't even, I can't like when I saw this, I made a reel about this issue and I did not know exactly what I was going to do for content. So I did record myself reading the issue and I like... I think I like put the comic down and I was like, oh, yes, I, yes, I knew it. I love this warlock from the start. Like, but I didn't realize it was like full on warlock from the start. No. This is some. This gives a whole new meaning to that panel from Inferno number one, where warlock and Doug are sitting with Krakoa and Doug says, let's talk about. How things are going on our island. It's just this whole thing is just so satisfying. The fact that like Warlock has been there. You know, we had the the touching of the leaves and we were wondering what was going on. Was Warlock were Warlock and Krakoa like intertwined in some way? And just to have the way that this is laid out. Yeah. Well, so first we're talking, I mean, we get this amazing joke from Doug that I laughed out loud at. Hey, Professor, what happens if the island tries to eat me? Oh, don't worry, Douglas, my boy. Everything will work out fine. Just like that time you died while I was in space having sex with a bird lady. Come on. (laughs) Douglas, you are the MVP of this issue. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so we don't trust, we don't trust Xavier's plans. And that's why I'm team Doug Warlock Krakoa. Yes. So. Doug Lakoa. Sure. Doug Crowlock. Yep. And so <laughs> they come up with this plan that essentially feeds and grows and and layers in to both of them, right? Yeah, so both of them get to feed off of each other and grow, which is so interesting. I I love Doug's approach to working with Krakoa. The care and friendship is just beautiful and really genuine as he's just well, tell me how you really feel about a bunch of mutants living here, my most interesting friend, Krakoa. It's also really cool to see sort of another layer of Doug's powers because, yes, he can literally understand all these uh, all these languages and like can communicate and all of that, but he also has like an actual 
deep emotional understanding and compassion for Krakoa that I feel like comes from his power and his ability to understand, empathize, yeah. and and connect with. Which I feel like was from that first meeting of, well, you know, Xavier, you're reading Krakoa, friend, Krakoa, sad, and Doug from a very small line of text gets the story of Okara and just goes off on what it is that Krakoa is actually feeling. There's like a part of me that wishes that there was a way to make a cipher or a key for whatever Krakoa's language is. Mm. Because sometimes I look at it and I'm like, are those words? Right. They kind of look like words. Because there are spacings. There are different characters. I wonder if it actually is a translated amount of text that would be so dope all right so warlock is going to expand by eating the organic material of the island you and you in return are going to feed on the new bits of him so this symbiotic relationship that gradually intertwines the two beings of krakoa and warlock crazy yeah and then the five are made whole again the five Cuckoos are made whole again. Five and one, which I think this is saying that the cuckoos were the first mutants resurrected. Yeah, I think so too. Because Doug is, he's there from day one and he's reacting as though this is the first of it ever happening. The fact that he's surprised of it working. Yeah. Well, Krakoa, my new and most interesting friend, how do you feel about a million mutants? Not just some. Yeah. A million. And the reveals keep on coming. Oh, my goodness. So we find out that Doug, working with Krakoa, has developed the Habitat and Gateway flowers. But what the heck is Beast talking about in this next? So, yes, Doug is like, here's the Habitat flower. You grow it. Cool. Charles and Magneto want to give the credit to Doug. He's like, step back. This is Krakoa. And then there's this conversation in talking about the gateway flowers with Doug and Beast where... These are not the gateway flowers. I believe that these are the drugs. These are the drugs that are given out to the people. The three human altering drugs. So there's three mutant benefiting drugs and three Mm. human benefiting drugs. So him and Beast are talking about the drug flowers. Yes. Got it. I believe so. So this is all, again, new information. And a lot of it is not revealed as Beast is hinting towards cadavers in a really gross way of getting to this. Cadavers that all died of dot, dot, dot. Likely the illnesses that these flowers then go to cure. Oh, interesting. And This guy, folks, this guy, he's so smart. My first thought was you stay away from him, Beast. He is too good for you. You do not go near my Doug. Doug, you should be able to read beast and his terrible nature he's just like peace out beast yeah all right i gotta not be here anymore because it's making me sad you making me uncomfortable back to hang out with my real friends krakoa and third and final mutant benefiting flower a no place flower the twist (laughs) reveal (laughs) their secrets are our secrets cypher and warlock being the good eyes on everything the no place is a lie It's insane. There are recorded conversations of everything. Data pages likely have come from this relationship. What if Doug, what if, oh my God, what if Warlock is the hub for the data pages? Right, potentially. 
own mind. You're always talking about who's writing it, it, what's perspective. Who's are they? Who's cataloging (gasps) this? I think that that adds a layer of information to what you can think of, at least in some of the data pages. And just seeing these images of Krakoa intertwined with Warlock's technology, it's just so cool. And just like Doug sitting there and getting upset about what he's hearing. Right. Well, so Warlock is this technological nervous system throughout the island. And I do want to call back to what you pulled in issue two, The Sinister Secret, Seducer made an honest man of the island's favorite boy, but what unspoken secrets are coursing through the nervous system of the favorite boy's island friend? I told you, I told you. Are you listening? I know that you are. I told you. So, two things. One, all right, that is clearly... Clearly. Right? Doug, Warlock, Krakoa intertwined. Yes. Two, leads me to believe that Sinister is aware of it. (gasps) Sinister. Because those secrets are written from his perspective. That we know. Yes, you're right. Which adds another layer of... It's like, how does Sinister know? Right. do, Do they know that he knows? Is it because of the backup information... Sinister doesn't have access to Cerebro, so he wouldn't necessarily have the memories and intelligence, but he would have the physical genetics of Cypher, potentially Krakoa as well. Yeah, maybe. It's just, there's just so much in this issue that just keeps piling on tiny brain explosion after tiny brain explosion. Right. And and the big one where we see it in action on that next page where Doug is watching Basically reading issue two of Inferno as Moira says, I want her gone Gone forever, forever. burned from all existence. And he just says, damn it. So I think this is Warlock physically reconstructing a Krakoan face. That's why you have Ah. that creepy looking smile. You have just the one page that I did go back to (laughs) the one page. The one page. I went back to a lot of pages. I went through a lot of issues. I was Pepe Sylvia. All this afternoon, shout out to House of X podcast for calling me out a couple weeks ago. It's like, is Justin just up till two o'clock in the morning combining yes. everything? Yeah, yeah, no, I am. Uh, so the page from X-Men number seven, the first issue where we find out about the Crucible where Cyclops sees Warlock and then he disappears yes. as they're all talking in that everything, everything. It's just feels like it's changed. It with just this makes issue. me so Honestly, I feel so validated by this because I've been really latching on to the idea that Warlock has spread himself throughout Krakoa. So just knowing that that's actually true makes me feel so awesome. But you were thinking, and and rightfully so, you were thinking it was for a negative purpose, that it was potentially connected to the phalanx or some kind of, and and who knows what the future might hold when you have techno-organic material intertwined with the nature of Krakoa. Yeah. But. But uh, it's just, it's like, it just makes the moment when Curse and Nature Girl get put in the pit and then they Doug goes down and is like, no, no, we're letting you out. Like it just adds that additional layer of. Yeah. Everything. You know, again, the Quiet Council, Charles and Eric, they think they're running things, but they're not. No. There's Especially, so much going on outside of their control that they just have no idea yeah, about. They think they still have control. At least right. Xavier still thinks he has control. Yeah. And we find that out later on. Oh, man. Also, before we get to this title page, I just want to say, before we 
lose ourselves and don't have a chance to say it. The art in this book. Oh, absolutely. Always fantastic. And always it's, gorgeous. It's, they've been different artists issue to issue, but these are some of the artists that we have known and loved throughout this run. Yeah. RB Silva, Stefano Casali, Valerio Shidi, and inks by Adriano De Benetto and colors by David Curiel. All, all people that we have seen throughout this run. So good. Kind of doing this, this grand finale to Hickman's arc coming together in this beautiful way. One thing I do want to point out before we go to the title page, mm-hmm. they know about Moira being alive. They know about her being a mutant. Potentially the fact that of her no- multiple lives depending on what they talk about in the, in no, the no place. place. Right. So this is huge. Just the number of people who know about Moira in this issue alone multiplies. Yeah. My goodness, gravy. So we got our title page. It says Inferno. And we already said most of the creative team. It still says the Books of Destiny, which I do want to call out because that's been on every issue, but there has been no mention or sign of them. Mm. And I feel like that hopefully will pay off in issue four. I certainly hope so. The only thing we haven't said is that it's written by Jonathan Hickman. Of course. (laughs) Written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by R.B. Silva, Stefano Caselli, and Valerio Schiti. Inks by Adriano Di Benedetto. Colors by David Curiel. And letters by Joe Sabino. Vizis Joe Sabino. (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay, yeah. This whole sequence. Oh, my Emma. So first and foremost... The cuckoos, four of the cuckoos, which I'm just going to point out a mistake in the art here. Sorry, not sorry, but the X's are not fully drawn on their costumes in that first panel. If you look at like side by side the pages, you know, this is kind of my thing. Sure. (laughs) But anyway, just the like you were summoned. Right. There's a difference. Just the demeanor of the cuckoos towards these two is i don't know a little ballsy i think right and just the oozing of sass and officiality that comes with emma because of their connection but yeah i do love that this these two pages while conversationally setting up the next section that we get into also expand a lot for the cuckoos oh my goodness so yes confirmation that the one who wears black has been changing which we had been thinking Mm -hmm. and had been reading into and suggesting the idea of identity and what it means to the cuckoos that's so interesting it's so interesting like who are they as people right and this two who will find love three who will not one will be changed forever severed from the five in other worlds and one of you will never recover from it. What? Right. And so I mean to find love. Yeah. Seems like we already know who those two are. We at least know who one of them is. Whether or not Kid Omega ever gets back with his cuckoo. We we've seen the future for cable, so we yeah. know that works out. But yeah. yeah, I would imagine that someone going to Otherworld and dying breaks apart and and creates this individuality right because they can't come back right Right. they can't come back the same way they'll come back 
a different way, which means that they are no longer of the five. And if they try to do that, honestly, if I heard that, I'd be like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to other world. Yeah, that's okay. Anytime you're trying to send me, sorry, Emma, <laughs> can't not, go. Not happening. And then just this, just this, just the clapback of Destiny when so yes. cuckoos are like, oh who's yeah, who? you can't tell us apart, blah blah blah, and so they want to know who's who. I don't and know. You're all the same. She just says, you just told me. After all, I can't tell the difference because there isn't one. Right. So that that's Ooh, what I'm asking. Burn. Like, what is this idea of identity? They can try to form their own identity, but it feels like they're just duplicates of a singular with different names that occasionally experience different things. And there have been various ways of trying to form an identity. There was a period of time where when there were three, they had different color hairstyles and they obviously have always had different names and you have, there was that issue of X-Men where they kept on playing around with the idea of who is who and who mm. is working with Magneto. Uh, we don't have time for that. When, when the empire strike on the Island was happening and they were connecting them to the other. Oh Iceman yeah. Yeah. Magma. I mean, I think there's this, this interesting balance of them as one unit, but the more that they exist in a place like this where they have opportunity to be doing something other than like a straight out mission, the more they start to understand themselves as an individual and some of them get pulled by that want or that desire to have their own individuality, but then the group pulls them back in and makes them feel guilty. Like that's exactly what was happening with Phoebe. Yeah, yeah. an X-Force, yeah. And it makes me think about what we've been talking about with Krakoa and Arako yes. from Okara and this idea of the split that causes the different identities to form. So Arako being in Amenth, being in through Otherworld for however many thousands of years, hundreds of years, creating this hardened different identity is that, again, that question of, would they have been essentially the same person, mm -hmm. but now you've given them separate identities and you've raised them in separate environments that have created different people, island people. Right. So interesting. But anyway, let's get into the meat of the scene. Oh, the arm's length allies with Mystique and Destiny. Emma brings Destiny Mystique in on what she's learned, which what? Ugh. Why? What do you mean, why? Uh, mm. Enough, Charles and Magneto. Like, I feel as though Emma, she just doesn't want to be involved in their games. And she's straight up telling them because she thinks it's wrong that Charles is hiding it. And though I do think it is a very salty and very underhanded thing to do, like on one hand, I also can understand the idea that she was she doesn't want to keep the secret for them. And by not telling Destiny and Mystique what's going on, she's then actually keeping the secret for them. So she's basically saying, I wish I didn't know this information because I'd be happier if I didn't know, but I do know. So I'm going to tell you because... It just feels like she threw a live grenade into the heart of Krakoa. And, you know, these, these women are super villains, like capital super villains. And I know you have been wavering from good to bad and you feel like you've been wrong because you've been kept in the shadows, but I don't think you fully understand the ramifications of what might happen with them having this knowledge and them being set off on their way. And she's kind of, 
she's she's set out that live grenade and she's taking a step back and she's like, hey, whatever else happens, happens. And I, I get it. And it also it reads as though she has a different variation of the truth than we know. What do you mean by that? So this idea of either she doesn't have the full story or she has a read on the story where she's thinking that at any moment she could erase everything we've made, everything we've sacrificed, everything we've loved, gone as if it never was. And she gets to keep doing it over and over until she's satisfied, I suppose, or Charles and Eric are. And my question for that is, did Emma not see the fact that, you know, she saw obviously the exchange between Mystique, Destiny and Moira in her third life. Mm -hmm. Did she not hear the conversation of only having a limited amount of lives and, and see the progression through those lives to try and make it better for the mutant people since that point? Because it just feels as though Emma's calling her on doing it for her own benefit, her own means. And mm -hmm. it, it just feels like she's coming at Moira with this malicious intent for her betraying the mutant people when really sure secretly but really they've been trying to do this and and create this world where the mutants do win okay i i can understand and and agree that there may be some sort of twisted notion of what emma interpreted but one i don't think she got all the details because it was a quick flash and there's only so much you can you know, transmit in that kind of a exchange. But the other thing is we have been feeling for this entire series that Moira is hiding something. Mm -hmm. And Moira straight up opened her mind to Emma. So maybe Emma saw something that we don't know yet. And on top of that, seeing that having this idea of being a, a mutant that in what she remembers of her life – She's continuously trying to make things better and she keeps ending up in situations where they're failing. And now she's in a situation where they're actually succeeding and doing what she wants to do for mutant kind and knowing that Moira isn't really – I mean, granted, if she dies, she doesn't really always have control over the fact that she dies, right? right? But Emma's perspective is – this woman can just straight up decide we need a redo and then jump off a bridge and then not not consult anybody. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can just understand why that's infuriating. And I also think it's coming from the perspective of not just because she says or Charles and Eric. So I think it's coming from not just the pers perspective of maybe she has a skewed idea of what Moira's intent or Moira's power set is, but also that the way that she was tried to be used as a pawn by Charles and Eric just now after that meeting, after the vote, how they thought that they could just manipulate her or tell her what they wanted to get her to do what they want. She's just fed up with them and she is is maybe acting rashly and acting from a place of saying, listen, like, I'm sick of these two. That enough is enough. They shouldn't be hiding this from people and they're specifically hiding it from you. So I'm letting you know. Yeah. I just I get the read of it feeling a little selfish, a little only focused on herself and that the destruction of it will come from, again, their own devices in the same way that we've been calling it from Xavier and Magneto that is is keeping destiny repressed, actually what leads to your demise and then is is setting Mystique and Destiny off on this 
thing actually what leads to the downfall I mean, I think that's sort of the flaw of everybody who's ever been in charge in mutantdom is that they all have this complex of thinking that they're the one that has to solve that the has problem. to solve yeah. the problem. And so this is just Emma's Emma's version of that, you and, know, like even, she thinks because because even they say, oh, so you're just going to sit back and, and like whatever and just be by yourself. And she's like, yes, the same as I always have been me and my children. Yeah. So like she's coming at it saying I'm the one who can handle this the right way and Charles and Xavier think the same thing and Sinister thinks the same thing and that's just sort of Apocalypse thinks the same thing you know like that's that's the flaw of mutantdom is that they they project this idea of unity and collaboration but really they all have huge or not all of them but a lot of the people in power have huge egos and it just contradicts the point of moira's initial statement of all of us working together but because I, really they're not all working together right oh, they're all working separately for their own visions of what could be the potential future for them all. And I 100% agree with that, but I would even argue that Moira too has lost her way of her own vision because if she really felt like the answer was everybody working together... She would have brought back Destiny. Right. And why would she be so insistent on her being hidden from everybody? You know, like why would that be such a... Or why wouldn't she fight back against that idea? Right. So, and or at least let the whole Quiet Council in on the information, you know? So there's... There's a lot of, I think, projecting of what they want or say their ideals are and not actually it's uh, it's performative. It's not actionable. So yeah. that's. Yeah. But I mean, I still I still love Emma. I'm not mad at her. I am. I, I, I want to make it known. I, I think this is a, a big misstep on her part and I feel like it's going to bite her in the ass. OK, but. Can we just also talk about this shade for Mystique yes, for a second? Yes, it's perfect. <laughs> At some, oh my God. Wait, where is it? You, you thought you were their confidant only to find out yet again you were just the other woman. Oh, yeah. Mystique. Right. Come on. Burn, well, baby. Well, I'm going to show you this truth that's going to melt your face off, Destiny. Okay, I have a question for you, actually, in, in saying that you're upset with Emma, right? So- before, when we would pre-talk about Inferno and Mystique was like, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Like, I don't care. Give me my wife back. I'm going to burn it to the ground. You were like all for Mystique going ham. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Me being upset at Emma doesn't mean I, like, that still fuels the narrative. I don't, I'm not, I don't hate Emma, right? You know, right, so, right. so she's doing something that's creating more divisions and more, I can, I can feel away, but still, I like her as a character. I like what she's adding to the full narrative. I don't agree with her actions right now. In okay. the same way that I didn't agree with Mystique burning it down, I didn't actually want her to burn down Krakoa, but I'd love to see her try because okay. that would well, have created my, a really great story. That was my question. I was like, really? Because you were hyped about burning to the ground. Still am. <laughs> Still, You see that cover of Sabretooth? Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Moving on. She shows... <laughs> she for, for a second, when, when we got to this scene where uh, Emma is showing them the past and showing pyro burning um moira at first i was like you know so just my whole self was bewildered by this issue so like i looked at it at first and i went oh no pyro no and yeah. then i was like oh no wait this is that, the past that's a flashback that's a flashback so yes this was the part that that i called out she saw the death of moira but not the conversation about the limit to how many lives that she could have 
and she just builds and fuels this narrative that they're out to take away what you have rather than the fact that Moira has spent 10 lives to get to where we are. Yes, that didn't include Destiny and Mystique together and happy, but surely Emma saw some of the purpose and reasoning behind her actions. I behind the Helmet Bros actions in Krakoa and what they've been doing and what they've been able to achieve in this 10th life together. Yes. But also, just to play devil's advocate and just because I like to be on Emma's side even when she does crappy things like this, don't you think there's a little bit of of a fear of this idea of a mutant that could keep rewriting history and you have no idea that it's happening? Like to know that you don't really have control over your own life in that aspect? I mean, you have control over your own life. I, I hear what you're saying. She has control over her own life. It's just she doesn't know when it'll end and if it'll get reset and what happened the last time. And, you know, Moira has no control over Emma's life as she lives it in this. The only person that she really has any influence over is seemingly destiny. And well, the I fact guess that she the, doesn't get- the question is like, right. I think we brought this up at some point when we were talking about the different lives of Moira, like are those just alternate universes or is it the same universe? And she's rewriting that particular universe, which is stems the still the question of when Moira dies, what happens to the rest of the universe? If she's, if she's starting over in that universe, like, does it just blip, disappear? I think it ceases, yeah. And so I think that's, like, where this is coming from, from Emma. Like, that's what... Maybe but, she didn't take away the right information from what she saw. And that's what I'm saying. And and I feel like to, to feel this way, so whether or not Moira dies or when she dies, it's going to cause this reaction. So whatever happens to either lead you towards that or lead you away from that... You have a problem. Unless you. you can make it be her last life. Right. So I don't know. But but she's, she bears gifts yeah. in that she tells them where Moira is, question mark. We don't know exactly what the gifts are, but we do find what they could be in the next couple pages. As whew. Okay. <laughs> what are you doing, Moira? Where are you going? I mean, she's Why are you walking around Paris? She, that's what she's been doing all Inferno. That she's got to she's got to be able to do something. Now, who alerted Aim that she was there, or Orcus Aim? I think it was Mystique and Destiny. Yeah, that that's what we were just talking about. No. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I feel like that <laughs> has to have been one of the things that I, I we don't know, and maybe that'll get revealed in issue four. But I believe it is because it's mm-hmm. setting up what happens later on. Yeah. Right. So. This uh, it turned it around. It turned it up. The whole issue did, but this was oh crap! This it was got a, cray right here. Yeah, the mutant who flew too close to the sun. Has this been referenced before? I feel like it has. Like Icarus, like no, no. Maybe it's just because we just saw Eternals and Icarus is that's the legend of Icarus flew too close to the sun, and then Icarus actually does fly too close to the sun. Yeah, I, and I think it's ironic. <laughs> That Orcus is calling Moira out about arrogance and hubris. I think you're looking for Charles and Eric, guys. I think you got the wrong <laughs> mutant, and she's just trying to she's just trying to do some stuff. I mean, she rightfully has a decent amount of arrogance and hubris just because of the amount of information and experience that she has. But are you say are you thinking that? Sorry, this is like a little bit of a jump back. But are you thinking that Emma knew that Moira was captured and told? destiny and mystique where she was or are you thinking that emma gave orcus this information because i don't think she would do that it's unclear 
but I think that she might have because it then puts Moira in a location that you know where she is. I certainly that hope that's not accessible. what happened. That's that's the read that I'm getting from it. It puts her in a location that later in the issue, Moira can be retrieved by Destiny and Mystique. Until I'm going to go innocent until proven guilty on this one. And I'm going to say until I get clarification, I'm just going to hope that Destiny and Mystique were given the information of Moira's safe house. And then they somehow observed this this encounter. Well, let me look really quick in the background. Can you see them anywhere? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's no one in the streets. I'm just going to that's that's going to be my story. That's going to be my headcanon because sure. I I would. That would really upset me. Yeah. Because that is a line. Like, it's one I'm thing. Saying. But but I think it's one thing to expose Moira, and it's another to to expose Charles Xavier Moira, Moira's situation to Destiny and Mystique, but it's another thing to expose the mutants to Orcus. And I feel like that, especially if your concern is that if if Moira dies, you get reset. Mm-hmm. Why would you set her up to people who would potentially kill her? Like that doesn't feel good. And so, to me. and so, are the gifts just the knowledge that Orcus has taken Moira? Because how does like where's the tip come from? Otherwise, is what I right? No, I, I'm only, I I'm only just connecting the dots of what's in front of us. And if there is more information that either confirms or separates those dots then I will take that as it is. But right now, as I'm reading it, it feels as though that's what happened. Yeah, I just, I can understand that, but I don't want to believe that right now because I would like to believe that she just gives her the tip that she was caught because Emma's got people on the inside all over the place. Hmm. I can tell you where Moira is right now. Yeah. But on Krakoa, at the House of M, we get a meeting of the bros. What is this that they're both quoting that they both know? I don't know. You have seen the future, many of them. And you know this will never end. There is no victory to be found. Is that what Moira says? there will says, never be peace. Is that what Moira says to, to Charles or Charles says to Moira when... Charles definitely does not say this to Moira because it's us or them. That was, That is not something that he would say. Um, I don't recall this from the beginning, but potentially, and maybe it's it's part of their further conversations that we haven't seen, but yeah. It just feels like something from Moira and Magneto is upset that he's been convinced by Xavier that there can be peace between the humans and mutants. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's, he's calling out about. The one thing that he's upset, the worst part is you convinced me you were right. The fact that you thought that we could live together in harmony. And I knew we both hear this in the back of our It's either us or them. Mm-hmm. Well, that I'm wondering if maybe this stems from that when Moira and Charles went to get Magneto. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. Or or even because there was also a schism between right. the three of them. Right, their so little they, fallout. separated. That's, that's in a journal entry of Moira's on my crazy murder board. Yeah, and I just, I do love this idea that Charles still thinks that he has control. Oh, yeah. We will, we still have control. Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> like, I'm come just gonna, on. I'm just going to call out again that we're doing, we're, we're, we're overusing the reflection in the helmets. I, I, I'm not bo- bothered by it, but yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> we got two, two images of Magneto reflected in Charles's helmet. And some interesting information on the last panel on this page and then on, on that next page of what did they actually show to Emma? Because Magneto says, you saw how Emma looked at us. She saw right through it. 
we always win. Right. So that's what I'm saying. That's why I think Emma saw more than we think that she saw. Or she saw like a tampered version of it. Right. Like she or she was like, this isn't reality. Like what they're showing me isn't fully the truth. And so she then deciphered whatever she thought the truth was from that. Because they what Moira says to the two of them is like, we never win. Right. Until. Right. Yes. So she knew immediately that we had sold her a lie. So we have to ask what are. Uh-oh. Yeah. Moira's in trouble. Moira's in trouble and it is negatively affecting Charles. What is this little globe ball thing that Magneto uses throughout these pages to track her? I will show you later on. Oh. <laughs> I heard you ask the question earlier and I kind of just like sat there giddy. Because <laughs> you were like, I know how to solve this problem. Yes. But before that, we go deep into space at the Orcus Forge with... With it's just... You know, as if Cypher's reveal wasn't big enough because... Oh my goodness. This This is is what I'm saying. This is why I was like falling off the couch. This is the brain hurdy part of trying to understand what it is that's happening right here. I know something far more valuable, a different history of the world. Just talk about also how far along this master mold is. Mother mold, yeah. Oh, God. Every time I really thought I was going to get it right that time. <laughs> it's, it's already rebuilt. You know, what was done at the beginning of House of X and Powers of Ten has now been undone completely. <sighs> so Omega Sentinel reveals to Nimrod that she is from a different place and time. But what's interesting is that somehow Nimrod is deciphering it. Right. So like she's on his own. Well, it, it's kind of the... I'm waiting for you to get to a point where you can handle this conversation, where you can be ready to see and read this. And once you see it, you'll start to feel even more of what it. What I really am. Right, right. So the things that she's been essentially coaching him through to this point, yes. to get to this point to see, hey, I need you to do something. I got the plan. But I need you to I just need follow you to, through. to be there, to get ready. I need you to be that guy. Be that guy for me, Nimrod. And then, so she, yeah, she's from the future. So she's come back. A future where the mutants always win. Right. And so life 10 is the life of Moira where the mutants always win. And she knows this because she's from the future of, of life this 10. life. And so she's come back. And achieved full Omega Synthesis years earlier than she would have previously gone back in time to ready Nimrod for the coming war with the mutants. I bet this little time jumpingness of Omega Sentinel has to do with the fact that Destiny can't clearly see the future. Right. Because the future is laid out, but someone from the future has entered the past. Right. And it's it's the combination of, you know, she said even with Moira that a, a black hole that looks like a person mm-hmm. and that's Moira with her multiple lives, creating all these different possibilities. And now Omega Sentinel, a time traveling future, because this is essentially days of future past reversed. Oh, you just had to say that a little, such as a page or two too early. No. Yes. She says, is it on like two pages from now? She says, I closed my eyes in the mutant hell and opened them years ago here on Earth, all my days of a future past. Right. I'm just saying more. Uh, I've just, I was really excited to call that moment out and then you did it. Okay. 
Anyway, but what the carry on in days of future past destiny cannot see Kitty because she is this black hole of potential. She is this contradiction of future self traveling back to past. She cannot see her at all. So do you think that Moira is the black hole or do you think that Omega is the black hole? That's the question. I think they potentially are both. And that is what's causing this discrepancy of the future. I don't think it's Nimrod. I feel like Nimrod, well, depends on how much influence Omega has on Nimrod and what he then could become. But mm-hmm. No, I, th- I think it could be if if that specific reference is made, like she uses those fr- that phrase and the fact that that is a direct tie-in to Days of Future Past, that the person who comes back in time is the black hole. I feel like that kind of makes me lean more towards it being Omega as the one that is representing the black hole. Right. But also... But also I think there's some difficulty in seeing Moira as well. Yes. And especially because it's happening as Emma reveals the lives of Moira to the two of them. Mm-hmm. So she starts talking about the children of the vault. Oh, apocalypse. <laughs> they are a threat to everyone. Man and mutant. Man and mutant align together to take on the children of the vault apocalypse and fam they come, come back. back that makes me so excited i saw that and i was like oh my god they're gonna come back they're and, gonna come back and the children are defeated this is the life that omega sentinel is from this is why nimrod is coming online so much earlier these actions and this future knowledge from omega sentinel to prevent this victory of the mutants and then an eventual betrayal of the humans and i feel like that is at the core of what Xavier and Magneto were just talking about is what do we do when we get to that point where Mm -hmm. we win? Do we peacefully integrate and keep them around or do we eliminate them? And that's still that dichotomy between the two of them. Like in Omega's future, they eliminate them. Yes. Which is it's which then brings me to the opening panels where Charles, we get that flashback of Charles telling everything to Doug and he says like mutant ascendance and that reminds me very much of year 1000 I think where like the humans were trying to ascend and Mm. this idea of like the only way to survive is to be the only ones left and to ascend and I don't like it right well I don't I don't think that the mutants are trying to integrate with the phalanx no no right so I don't think that it is the same kind of ascendance right i feel like it is just ascend to a level of dominance that is not previously achieved Mm -hmm. through mutants and humans interacting the nimrod of her timeline is the nimrod that is sent back in time and fights the mutants in the claremont run so that's where what's his face is dies right that just got brought back yep harry leland dies in the in central park versus nimrod that nimrod is the one that's in the 80s and is fought by Rogue and a bunch of other issues he's kind of building in the background. He is a sent back from the future. Which I feel like is an important tie-in to the fact that Harry Leland was just brought back. Sure, yeah. I feel like there that's an odd coincidence to just bring it back and talk about how he was killed by Nimrod and then to have this issue talk about how Nimrod went back and did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like that has to ha- he has to tie in somehow or there has to be some relevance to that. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get that anytime soon. I feel no, like that's going to be a like long a, simmering. No, I think that's like a seated yeah. something that's going to happen in the future. And so mutants ruled. All of soul was lost. Hope for the timeless machine gods' dominions to save us. 
the mutants captured the celestial powers, life and death, using the phoenix blade, the child of the sun who wielded it with vigor, destroyed titan after titan, um, dominion after dominion. Immortal X-Men, anyone? Right. Death is in the picture. The phoenix is on the chair. Like, right. come on. Yeah. I mean, we don't know explicitly who the child of the sun is. I did look into and and refresh myself on what the Phoenix Blade is, and that is something that can only be wielded by someone who is worthy of integration with the Phoenix, someone that could serve as a host of the Phoenix. I feel just by Potentially, Potentially Exodus with his fire halo? Potentially. I don't know, though. We see four people right here Mm -hmm. that feels like Deathbird. On the left. Oh, it totally feels like Deathbird. I was 100% thinking that. And so I think it's either Sunspot, Child of the Sun, mm. Romantic Interest of Deathbird, or Vulcan. Oh, interesting. Who was married to Deathbird at a time. What do you think those other two people are? Not sure. No, you know, no reads on that. Not uh, definitive enough silhouettes. Yeah, n- the only the only silhouette that's given me clues is Deathbird, and I'm just making assumptions yeah. based off of her. And there's also there was a cover of Sunspot on the throne of the Shi'ar at one point, mm. and that would make sense because we're going deeper into space, right? For this idea of dealing with phalanx, titans, dominions, all of that. And that's where all the future goes. Mm -hmm. They go out into Shi'ar space. They align with the Shi'ar. They abandon the soul system in those past lives. And so recognizing the end is coming, this trickster Titan copied the mind of the remaining Omega at the end of the line and sent it back through a black hole to do a days of future past version of Karima Omega Sentinel where um, and when she was. When you just said that, my brain just went black hole. Zorn. Rasputin. Right. Black hole travel. And so that's where they go. That's what everybody's been asking since House of X and Powers of Ten, and that is not what's being furthered here. It's not that one. I don't know if someone can travel through lives, but this seems like it's just traveling across oh right because right? that was a different that life was a different of lifeline of moira's so this is just in life 10 of moira and traveling through the time of that life why do they have to do that why can't i have rasputin back well <laughs> it's likely still in the future yeah chimera chimeras are coming and then yet another bomb drop yeah <laughs> But but before that, but this this is what caused her to become the Omega Sentinel so much faster. Because she, because she was sent back with all of that. She has all this information. Knowledge. She knows what she's doing. She has what she needs to do and who she needs to get to and ready and how she needs to build Orcus. Essentially, like she essentially is the Omega Sentinel already. Right. She just put back in a less advanced version of her own body. Right. right? But. But so she goes through, she reaches Omega Sentinel. She is, throughout this entire run, has been Omega Sentinel. Right, right. And she achieves that years earlier than when Karima Shapender would have normally done it in Life 10. Right. Because of this future Because she's put, put back. Because her consciousness her, right. basically takes over her past body. And she's able to reach those stages Upgrade of... herself. Yep, yep. But she didn't do it alone. 
she did not do it alone, right? The Omega cycle needs some allies to, to build up what we need together and pulling the strings of Devo, director Devo to found Orcus. My goodness gravy. This is how they were aware of the threat of Krakoa so early. Because in, she knew Because already. she knew. She knew what to be looking for. They have the data pages where the Orcus protocols are looking for the population alerts, the financial alerts, the territorial alerts. I wonder how much information she could have brought in. Like how many of those data pages are from her memory banks of the future? Well, I don't know. Like, did she know some of the stuff that's on data pages before it actually happened, right? Potentially, yeah. Well, I mean, I think she knows the Omega Cycle. She knows the structuring of Titans, Dominions. Mm -hmm. And she also knows what she needs to do to be able to set up the alerts to be ready for when Krakoa goes online. So she knows the history of Krakoa in the same way that From Life 9... The mutants know the history of Nimrod. Right. And when he comes online, what leads to him coming online, what causes that upgrade in the human's technology. Oof, this part hurts me. It gets hard. Yeah. (laughs) So it just has a lot coming at it, right? You have the experience of past lives that Moira has and the experience of this life that Omega Sentinel has. So what used to be the dichotomy, the the kind of two sides of one war of Moira and Destiny should actually be Moira and Omega Sentinel. Yes. And here's my other question. And maybe you don't know the answer to this. But Omega traveled back in time and then traveled back in time again? With no, because I changed his reality, I repurposed his mind. He believes because he has seen it that he has lived through what I lived through and came back from the future. Mm-hmm. He believes that I saved him. Oh, I see, yeah, and that so, together, him and I traveled so back in Devo time. Devo thinks that he's from the future as well, and that is what's fueling his desire to Got prevent it. this. That's why he is the, this human whisperer that she needs him to be to be able to do and accomplish the Orcus plan. And that's why he is so like gung ho about Orcus because he thinks it was his idea. Basically, and it's the one thing that they need. Right? She's, she's puppeting him to do what they need to do. But wait, there's a disturbance in the force. Right, because there's <laughs> uh, something happening at our Terra, no- Terra Verde base. Shall we go take care of it? Spin the ring. Spin the wheel. That's all I thought of. Yes. So okay, I, do, I do want to call out these data pages. Good. Call them out. Tell me what the heck is going on. So we have a two-page spread of Omega Sentinel history. Mm-hmm. You see the black line. This is Moira's Life 10. It's the same black line from House of X and Powers of Ten. So House of X number two, where we see the wheel of her intersecting lives layered on top of each other. Hold, please. Ah, yes. Okay. I had to take out my Hawksbox book. This intersecting through the circle. This is the circle. Right. That's the circle. These are the lives going in, around, through, wherever they're going. But... The one difference with this image in Inferno number three is that at the center of it is the Omega cycle. So a different data page from House of X and Powers of Ten. 
where we see the different stages of becoming an omega sentinel. This is bonkers right so now. This is the combination of Moira's Life 10 and the intersection of the Omega Cycle from Karima Shapender. So what do the numbers on the Omega Cycle represent? They represent the different stages. So infection, nesting, replication, dormancy, activation, union, adaptation, and Omega, which on the next spread of pages, we see when on that timeline they happen. So in this... You see, like, just, I just want to know if I, I think I'm understanding this correctly, where it arcs over here, where Moira's Life 10 starts to arc over Omega, this little bump out, I'm assuming, is where her time travel kind of happens. No. No. Okay. But I feel like this is just a visual to combine the two graphics. And then next, on the next spread, we see we have points for each of the eight of these on the next spread of pages i just think you. it's interesting that number two and number eight both intersect the timeline hmm. of moira's life but eight comes before two and so i was thinking oh it's two when it was supposed to happen but then because she goes back in time she's at eight before she would have even gotten to two but yeah continue to explain to me so this top line is life 10a and this bottom line is life 10b so a is the og life 10 and b is the time displaced version of omega interrupting a, a is the version that omega has lived b is the version that we've been reading the entire time and this also plots out a lot of what else we've seen in conversation seen in pages in this issue the reaction from Nimrod being sent back and needing to do what he does in the 80s, the different stages of the man-mutant-machine Children of the Vaults war. You get more details on the allying between them. On B, we now get the information of when the Orcus protocols are created and Orcus was formed because of Omega Sentinel being there being online three years earlier than when she should be the seduction of the human Killian Devo. I went back and I read every data page from house of X and powers of 10. You're Not crazy. like lightly read, you know, I, I flipped through for the ones that I was looking for. I would love it. If this timeline, the one that's in this current issue of Inferno had a similar structure where this one in House of X does where it says year 27, year whatever, mm. because I really want to compare. Because obviously this in Inferno, this is telling you the points of Omega in Moira's timeline, right? Like these are Omega's things, yep. her stages, her whatever. And then in Hawksbox, these are... Moira's milestones. So I'd love to see when they where they up. line up. Yeah. But without any information about year this, year that within Omega's. Right. Well, I, think I was just looking through. It's hard to kind of pinpoint where they both hard happen. Hard to place it. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that is because Moira's are in reference to her age and Omega Sentinel is a robot. We can't, we can't even go there. Because we know that I broke down these with my crazy murder board, murder board, and they do not actually correlate to age properly. Sure. Right. 
but it just gives you a, a physical reference point for a human because they have a limited lifetime versus right. a robot that can live forever. You don't know what's unfortunate about all of this is that if you look at it from the perspective of they're working so hard and everyone thinks like it's not going to work and, and they're so doubtful and they're so worried. But like if it wasn't for Omega, like they actually would have done it this they already, time. They won. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. As if that wasn't enough for one double-sized issue. We have. But wait, final, there's more. Our final stinger. Are you going to tell me what the little orb is yet? We're at the base. <laughs> Magneto and Xavier arrive. Xavier in Magneto's little metal ball, which I think is cute. <laughs> like, hey, help me. I can't fly like you. Can Let you? me just travel on this little metal ball. And the idea of, Eric, what if, no, Charles, if she were dead, we wouldn't dot, dot, dot. Be in existence anymore. Right. <laughs> I have the signal this way. And they go in to this base and it's littered. With dead Orcus agents throughout. Who killed them all? Mystique? Mystique and Destiny. How does Destiny kill people? She's also a ninja? She can see the future, so she knows where people are going. Seems like a lot of dead people for just the two of them. Yeah. Well, you come in as Mystique as a secret agent hiding, and this is is like death, too. Yeah. You got stabs through the Hanging off wires and... Yeah, it's I feel rough. like it has to be Mystique and Destiny. I mean, I, I do too, but I also just oh. feel like, what? Or is it Sabretooth? Did they go get Sabretooth to help them with this Maybe mission? Maybe that was the gift. Maybe. Maybe Emma's gift was letting Sabretooth out of the hole. I don't want to clear on everything else that we've already accused potentially of. Not we, you. Sure. We'll see on <laughs> issue four. All but, right, wait, we have to like, for the record, let the record show that Justin called it, that this could be this Sabretooth. This could be Sabretooth. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It just looks it, way it, too aggressive to be Mystique very, and Destiny. It's very murdery for the two of them, yes. Yeah. And I'm not any? seeing claw marks. That's what I was just going to say. Are there any claw marks anywhere? But that is Sabretooth's MO. Slaughtering. Yeah. And so they, they reach the door, right? Found her. She's in there. Do you honestly think those men are coming to save you? <laughs> right. This this reads as though they're on the other side of this door, taunting Moira with the fact that they're not coming. We just saw it. They, they found her. What are you talking about? But we get the reveal on the next page that they found her left arm, the left arm that has the tracker in it. That was revealed in issue one. The T. Oh. Every time it tingles when you go through. So that also is information that they would not have had otherwise. Who knows that information? Only what the three you... of them and Forge. And Doug and, and Warlock well, right. and Krakoa. Right. So does Emma know what Sinister knows? I don't know about that. I just wondering like if Emma gave them that secret because like what are they doing? Are they rip her arm off? Yes, they cut her arm off and left the tracker to have Xavier and Magneto go to the base. But like this is escaped. what I don't understand. She drank tree. She she drank tea and got a big chunk of Bucky Barnes' arm. What? Look at her arm. It looks like she has a metal stub. I think yeah, maybe, but. 
that could also just be wrapped. Okay. But it looks like her arm is cut off in that second panel. No, her arm is definitely severed off. That is her arm in the chair in the first panel. Oh, I see. That they have now cauterized the wound so that it's not bleeding everywhere. Oh, so they cut off her arm and they're in a different place. And they left it there as a trap for Xavier and Magneto who (gasps) are coming to save them. Oh, wait, are they in her no place? Yes. Oh, my God, I totally did. So only Xavier and Magneto are here when the Nimi Nims shows up. Yes. (gasps) Oh, and that's why they die and that's why Emma resurrects them. Yes. (laughs) And so also know that... You have. God. I read this issue twice and I still didn't get that. You have Mystique and Destiny interrogating Moira in her no place, and Doug and Warlock are just sitting there eating popcorn, Watching listening to the everything. Whole thing. Right. So that's the saving grace in my mind. That's the thing that potentially helps right back to base. Oh my goodness, Gravy. They've been sent to die, essentially. That's the reveal that nobody knows, right? So I think potentially Emma saw that she has the the tracker in her left arm because that was in her mind when she opened her mind. They had already had that conversation. They met later on. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's how she knew. Because I don't think, other than what seems to be Sinister being aware of the fact that they're always listening... I don't know how much else he knows. Like, I don't think he has a layer of yeah. tap on their tap. But see, so this still makes me think that Emma just told them where to find Moira. Yeah, and that this just is an unfortunate that Charles and like they. Well, but no, but it seems. Well, I feel like Mystique and Destiny or and and whoever else is involved, Sabretooth, Emma, whatever. They were setting up. Charles and Xavier to find Moira's arm. But I don't know that they're they're setting up Charles and Xavier to be attacked by Nimrod. Like, I don't feel like they knew that was going to happen. Potentially. I mean, maybe because it's destiny. Right. And you have the murder of all these people. They're obviously <sighs> going to respond to that. And you have the translocation device that's right there. I need to, like, sleep on this. I don't I. Did not. I couldn't. It was really bothering me. I was actually really looking forward to talking about this because I just I was deciphering this image incorrectly. And I was like, how does she have a metal arm? What's going on? Why does she have half a metal arm? It's just a bandage. I think it's just a bandage. But and she's I was in also, her no place. I was also very happy with myself to recognize that the tracker is what Magneto keeps on pulling up on that orb and trying to locate where she is hopefully it's Mm -hmm. in her elbow right so that's why they had to cut up that high but like so but let's just let's just acknowledge the last end reveal is that as xavier and magneto are there hoping to find moira someone is coming through no not someone Something. something as a full squad of agents nimrod and omega sentinel Ooh, yeah, this that, is that last panel though. This ah, is ooh. this is why they shall be resurrected. Yeah. For sure. By Emma with whatever else she's done that we'll find in issue four. Stop being so hard on my girl. I'm not <laughs> not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop. Whoa. Oh, Overall thoughts, babe. 
wah, wah, wee, wah. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. Like, I feel, I feel like I don't know if I've ever read a single issue that has had so much in it. Right. In in a way that, like, I do recall the death that what I will refer to as the death issue of Powers of Ten that blew my mind into a million pieces. That was like so many things happened. There was one issue of Powers of Ten that I, I think it might have been the first or the second one that I just could not comprehend. And it was just because it was so much information. Oh, yeah, because they were telling you four timelines or four time right. points. Right. So, like, in that issue, a bunch of stuff happened. But this was all, this was very exciting the whole time. It was way more twists and turns than I anticipated. It was a lot of stuff that I didn't expect, but also stuff that felt really validating and really exciting, like the Doug Krakoa, um, warlock stuff and just furthering what's going on with everyone finding out about Moira people finding out what's going on Charles and Magneto realizing they don't actually know what's up and they're not actually in charge Magneto realizing Charles still thinks he's yeah in Charles control. is he needs to get with it and and all the stuff with Omega and just this realization of what the outcome of this timeline is and, and the bittersweet notion of the fact that this 10th life was originally going to be successful the one right and now is it can can it still be i don't know i guess what's interesting is this idea of you know destiny and right we know that destiny's visions of the future can change but there's just always this in all mythology or or stories or beliefs in this kind of question of fate and destiny and can you actually change your fate do you change it fully do you just change parts of it but it in in the end still leads you to the same thing and you know is there going to be a way for them to still get to the same place where they do win after so many times of losing or is there going to be some other kind of reset that happens I certainly hope not, like not a reset, but is there going to be some way for them to get this information that Omega has and and be able to take down Orcus and and continue on? Right. I just, I feel like the Omega Sentinel reveal changes everything. Yeah. It changes the game and it reinvigorates the potential for storytelling for the next phase. Right. And that's that's what this is intent to do. It's mm-hmm. intent to set up the next layer of storytelling that will then carry out, I believe, over the next two or three years. Right. And I don't know how they would find out unless, you know, you look at X Lives and X Deaths of Wolverine, which is supposed to be a time travel story trying to we're gonna get into some some crazy time travel. It's gonna really, really no, I might not like it. Right, potentially. But also, <laughs> I have carefully picked out the stories that I love that are time travel and you've enjoyed, right? Right, So right. we'll see. We'll see. But I wonder... So it's supposed to be time travel. I believe so, yes. But like, what if it's not? What if it's Moira's lives travel? Because Wolverine played a pretty big role in some of those lives. Yeah. I just don't know that that is something that they have the ability to do. And I don't know if it has relevance, if it has relevance, if they're able to change anything. And if a timeline continues to 
go on once Moira is right. deceased, right? So I think the potential of the people that entered that black hole, they could be on some other location at some other point. They could be saved from, mm-hmm. you know, the the whole universe eliminating itself once Moira dies or whatever happens when she dies. But otherwise, I'm not sure how that might happen. I believe that it's going to be Wolverine traveling throughout the 10th life of Moira. But we don't know. We will see in January, February. Sometime in 2022. Yes. The 10 issues of X-Lives. <sighs> well, what about you? What, are you? what are your thoughts? This was a spectacular issue of comics. Yes. There were so many layers of reveals and still so much left to play with. I honestly don't think that there's a way that Hickman gets to all of it in the final issue, and I don't mind it. Yeah. Because I feel like this has added so much more to the toy box, to the the sandbox that they're playing in of the Krakoan era that leave a dangling plot thread you know i know do we ever find out what happened with vulcan do we ever you know the things that he set up that we probably won't get full closure on anytime soon if at all but we have a very clear idea of what we're going into in the next step or at least the starts of that and yes i would have loved to see it be a fifth issue i'd very interested to see what rogue's potential story was in here because I feel like she's been kind of sidelined for a while. For a long time. Yeah, she hasn't really been much in Excalibur and even in X-Men hasn't really been a whole lot. So I am curious of that. I don't, we'll, might not ever get that, but we might see it in future issues of another comic. This blew up the whole concept of Krakoa with two new big ideas. Doug Warlock Krakoa as this spy unit knowing and seeing and doing everything in the shadows, being that layer of wisdom and vision that mm-hmm. just changes everything that we've viewed in the same way that Omega Sentinel's Days of Future Past version, where she's now gone back in time to change what happens to her future. It's such a good it's such an interesting parallel too, because right, Days of Future Past is about the mutants trying to save themselves from being overrun by the sentinels. Exactly. And the sentinels trying to save themselves. It's the literal opposite. Right. From being overrun by the mutants. Which is insane. And the thing about this issue is that every section of this issue could have been its own issue. Which is kind of you know, if if Hickman had been around or had been pacing this, you know, this could have been an ongoing. Mm -hmm. This could have been a monthly and I, I would have been fine. It, it almost feels like we're being spoiled with these four right. spectacular jaw-dropping issues. Well, this is what happens because then you get something like this and then you get like just a regular issue that is actually like this is what's happening to me. Okay, this is what's – I'm having the uh, the Mephisto WandaVision effect somewhat in some of these comics right because like the first stuff that i read was house of x powers of 10 which was like what is happening mind-blowing crazy twist and twists and turns and then you have stuff like this that's just again yeah. insane so much action world crazy that makes the you know the regular monthly issues sometimes feel like they're falling flat when they shouldn't because they're just 
telling you a story. And they're telling you more standard run of the mill stories versus this as like, these are the marquee tent poles. Yeah. It's just so much of my experience has been getting big bomb drops like this. I need to like temper my expectations. Right. And I think that that was coming through in the conversation with last week's episode of, you know, you can't have Inferno every week. Right. You need to build to this. This is essentially two years in the making. This to be is able the to have, this is end game. Right. To be able to have all this weight and reveals, sure, a lot of what happened in between House of X and Powers of Ten didn't really lead up to this. <laughs> I could probably highlight three or four issues of X-Men that really tie into this and mm-hmm. maybe that issue of X-Force that sets up where Colossus is going to go. But really the big story is, and, and so that's the criticism, right? Did the story get a little too bloated with the pauses in between. And is that now what we're going to be getting going forward? Because, you know, they want to play in the in-between. I was talking to Dayspring, Paul from Mm -hmm. Power of X-Men yesterday, and the idea of X-Men as the title and how slice of life, just pieces of like, like Hickman was seeding the universe throughout that full run. Yep. So was there ever a point where Hickman wasn't going to be blowing this open for this giant years-long storytelling? Because I feel like those story threads could still have, like, the brood. Right. You know, the Children of the Vault, that's its own arc. That's its own crossover event. That war can be its own thing. I think the thing that is a positive about the fact that the timeline of these stories coming out isn't what the original intent or the original overarching idea for their timeline is, is that hopefully, and I mean for me, maybe some people feel differently about this, but the fact that these stories, there's so many sort of day in the life piecemeal stories that happen, it really gives the opportunity for the world of Krakoa to be built and for the stakes to be higher when it's threatened. You know, like if it was, if it was an existence and then it just disappeared or it was an existence and then it got crazy blown up, you might care less about it or not feel as connected, concerned for its demise. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I do want to acknowledge, I'm not knocking the monthly books. No, no, I do enjoy those stories. I just recognize the difference between one of those stories telling a, a specific narrative for this group of mutants in between and then an event like this that really shakes it up to go into the next phase of stories. Right. And especially where it feels, I was talking to Chris at the comic shop, it feels as though if you just read House of X and Powers of Ten, you could probably pick this up and be relatively fine with a right. couple of extra issues in between. A couple of things where you're like, wait, what's this about? Yeah, what's a Rocco? And, and sure, but big picture... You know, yeah. that's the big picture. That's the bigger story. And what happens in between is just threaded out by those other creators. I'm really excited about the titles that have been announced. Oh, I'm me too. Really interested We're to gonna see We're going to get into them next. tomorrow. Yeah. I just, this feels like huge. This it's, feels like yeah. an issue that you read multiple times and you are still deciphering and you breaking it down. You sleep on it. You come back to it. You you analyze it a million times. Yeah. You think about it when you read everything else i read it twice yesterday and then once again today as i was going through and doing my notes like i said this is the first this is i think even the first issue of anything that i've read twice Hmm. so whoa whoa 
Uh, what's what's that Krakoan? Mystique. Ooh, Mystique. Well, the preview image is like Mystique Half Destiny. Yeah. Right? At a grave. So Mystique oh, no. and Destiny, they made some bold moves and have Moira captured. What do they do with her? Does she survive the next issue? She has to survive. It's, I just uh, don't understand how she doesn't survive unless there's a way to figure because she's because she's past her muberty, right? right? So if sure. she was to die now, there would be a reset. Right. And so one thing I do want to shout out Kid Wolf who mm-hmm. suggested what if they depower her in the same way that you have all of these technologies that depower mutants if you Mm. depowered moira and then killed her and then resurrected her and then she was at a time where either she didn't have her mutant gene active or she you know then oh well if you're gonna depower her and then kill her why resurrect her sure you know know. yeah just depower or or just depower her and just be like okay live the rest of your life depowered and when you die it doesn't affect us right you know that's interesting yeah that is interesting I mean, the way that this image, too, of if there is a grave, it like I just feel like they're not going to kill Destiny right away. No, because she's no. in that she's in the promo. They're for not going to kill Destiny. Destiny is here. They've been building to Destiny being resurrected for the entire two years. That's been the big story yeah. of Moira's goal of preventing. Where are you on Moira? Where do you where do you fall with with her? And nothing has changed for me about Moira in this issue. I still think. There's something she's not telling us. Yes. And I don't trust her. And I don't, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen in this interrogation situation. I would agree. Yeah. I I want more on that. What is she going to reveal to them? Is she going to give in and tell them information? Are they going to get information that Charles and Magneto don't have? Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's the big piece. Speaking of Xavier and Magneto, their divide in their ideology seems to be stronger than ever in that conversation. They seem to still be, you know, the helmet bros working together, but Magneto is, I feel losing his patience. (laughs) He's just, and that's another thing that, again, I know we're going to talk about it in another episode, but kind of brings me back to that immortal x-men image where it's just his helmet there right like is he out right is he done with this yeah what's he gonna remember when he's resurrected after nimrod kills him i don't know <laughs> doug and warlock the best i just i, just, I, I, I love it i love it i, I just, love it i love how how pure and honest it was for the betterment of you know my heart wants to believe it but my head is just hey i'm with you doug yeah I'm with you. Smart choice. Any other big thoughts, questions for me? Or I literally, I started taking notes on all of the different data pages because I feel like a lot of them can be viewed differently now. The machine, the the Omega cycle, the current Krakoan systems, this interface built by Doug Ramsey to be a translation program, but actually he was doing so much more. I mean, the data pages I feel are, they're so in depth. They're going to be, they're so important. They tell you so much more than you think that they do. And they. Hickman's do. Right. 
Yes. And they just, they're just layered and intricate and crazy and are definitely places that could lead me into a dark, dark, dark place. And it scares me a little to try to think about wanting to dive even deeper into them. But like the fact that you've already started it is like, oh, okay, so is this what we're doing this now? Or I don't know, but. Less of a diving deep, more of a being aware and categorizing and breaking down how to see. Yeah, yeah. So it's diving deep, but it's more of an analytical dive deep. But it's, even just like going back now that you know what you know, right? Like going back and reading Hawksbox again. Right. Like those 12 issues. Would you see something new? I think so. And I think that's what's so awesome about this kind of storytelling is that it's so layered and it's so intentionally thought out that you can go back to it and you can go, oh, wow, that was staring me in the face the whole time, but I didn't, I couldn't see it yet. Yeah. That, no, I don't have any other questions. I mean, my brain is literally exploding. That's okay. I think this has been our longest episode about a single comic ever. I mean, it's the most jam-packed comic ever. Would agree. Well, all right then. Well, stay tuned for our next episode where we'll talk about all those updates that we got teased, the new announcements, the news for the destiny of X, the future of the X line. We'll talk about the Marvel Unlimited Infinity comic, Hellions, the final Hellions. Yeah, we'll say goodbye to the Hellions. I'll give you a little bit of an update of what happened in issue one of Devil's Reign because that will tie into a three-issue arc of an X-Men tie-in. I'm I'm subscribed now to Devil's Reign. Shocking. Because it's good. (laughs) And I was even talking to Chris at the comic shop yesterday. I was like, I've been doing this for the last couple of main events. It was the... King and Black, mm-hmm. I've got the main event and any X-relative tie-ins. Death of Doctor Strange, main event, X-related tie-ins. I also got the Strange Academy tie-in because I read Strange Academy. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do the same thing here. Devil's Ring, I don't care what Blade is doing in relation to Death of <laughs> Doctor Strange. I saw that this week. That's ah, okay. You know, maybe, maybe I'll grab a Spider-Man relative to Devil's Ring because I love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But trying to enjoy the section of an event and i'm happy for you to drop that knowledge upon me yeah. without me reading just a, just a light update not a whole lot happened just a bare bones idea that'll lead us into where we will be in those issues of x-men devil's reign well thanks for joining us and sticking it out and i hope that you have processed this issue a, a little bit better and yeah that we could help you through that and if you have questions thoughts queries opinions if you if you're agreeing with me and, and you're saying emma's on the outs stop it <laughs> if you're doing that stop let us know on social media <laughs> let us know on email all the different ways to talk to us about it because we love nerding out on it yeah we do until next time old friend charles Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.